On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, it's another fantastic jam-packed Friday episode for you. We have the stardom sit-ems as we head into week three. We have the lock it up segment with my top five picks and the return of the boss. His top three picks for week three NFL regular season. We have a lot to get to. You won't want to miss it. And it all starts now. to Fantasy NFL Today presented by HoopBall. Today is Friday, September 24th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word on Twitter. And it is another Friday, my favorite episode each week. We just have fun here. This is where we have the lock it up segment, the segment that I have the most fun with. I like making these picks against the spread. It hasn't been off to the hottest of all hot starts, but it's going to get there. I promise you it's the marathon, not the sprint. We also have the boss on today's episodes, but before we get to all of that, before we get to the fun stuff, we got to get through the stardom sit-ems for week three. Who are we going to start And who are we going to sit? Maybe some of our players have a very tough matchup. We might want to consider sitting for somebody that might be on the waiver wire, some free agents that might be available. Remember, I'm not going to waste your time here until you start guys like Patrick Mahomes or start guys like Dalvin Cook. We know we're going to start them 99% of the time, no matter what the matchup is. So a lot of these starts are going to be guys that are probably still available on your waiver wire or free agents or whatever the case may be. But let's get to it. Here are my top starts of the week. Let's start with the quarterback. And my first favorite start at quarterback for this week in week three is New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Probably the most underrated quarterback in fantasy football because everybody seems to always forget about the dual threat running ability that he possesses. Within the first two weeks of the regular season, he has 122 rushing yards alone and two rushing touchdowns tacked on top of that. He finished as the QB 12 in week one against that stout Denver defense and the quarterback four just last week against the Washington football defense on Thursday night football. Now Daniel Jones gets probably the easiest matchup that he's going to face so far this season with the Atlanta Falcons. So when that New York Giants offense inevitably lets up that pressure, and it will, I don't even care that it's the Atlanta Falcons defense, it doesn't matter. The Giants have the worst offensive line in the NFL, and when it lets up that pressure, we should see Daniel Jones start to rack up those rushing yards, just how we saw um, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts you know, gain all those rushing yards in week one. We should see a similar dynamic there. So on top of that, with a fueled Kenny Galladay and a Sterling Shepard that's having a great uh, great season so far, Daniel Jones is a sneaky and a very, very good start this week here in week three. My second favorite start for quarterback, and I never thought I'd recommend starting this guy. It is a, is a very weird day that I'm, I'm doing this, but here I am. The guy I'm talking about is Jarrett Goff, and I always refer to him as Jarrett Goof. But the man is having, surprisingly, a decent start to the season. He has five touchdowns to just two interceptions. And, I mean, what can I say? We have to 
we have to admit the truth here. If it's happening, we, we can't just ignore it. I can't just stick to my narrative and keep saying Goof sucks or, God, you know, he's not a good quarterback. He's having a good year so far, and he played two good teams. He played the San Francisco 49ers in week one, and he finished as the QB eight in week one for fantasy football. And then he finished as the QB 11, which isn't terrible against the Green Bay Packers in that defense in week two. So now he gets a Baltimore Ravens defense. And according to Pro Football Focus, and I know there's a lot of people out there that don't really like Pro Football Focus, but through the first two weeks, the Ravens defense is only graded as the 21st overall defense. Now, the Ravens did face the, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are a little more improved this year, and also that Kansas City Chiefs defense as well. But as of right now, that Baltimore defense is graded lower than both of the teams that the Lions have faced between the 49ers and the Packers. So I'm expecting this game to be a, a, a very high-scoring game, as you'll see later in my top five picks coming up. And I expect to see a little bit of a shootout here. So I like Jarek Goff. I know he doesn't have that many weapons, but I, I, you know, he looks pretty good so far this year. So go ahead and fire up Goff if you have a conflict at your quarterback position. My third favorite quarterback this week to start is Captain Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't know what happened to the Vikings in that week one start against Cincinnati, but they look like they're back after their week two matchup with the Cardinals. I know they had that botched field goal at the end and they walked away with the loss anyway, but as a team, they looked more like the Minnesota Vikings. And now Captain Kirk draws the Seattle Seahawks for their home opener at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. That stadium's going to be rocking. And don't look now, but Captain Kirk doesn't even have an interception this year. Yes, zero interceptions. He has five touchdowns to zero interceptions. And I'm also expecting this game to be a high-scoring affair. Maybe a shootout between Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. I like the options in this game. I like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen's mismatch between the Seattle secondary. And then also Russell Wilson should be keeping pace, throwing those moon balls to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So this also should be a very high-scoring game. Go get Kirk Cousins if you need help at the quarterback. And last, Derek Carr. I mean, we, we keep talking about Derek Carr for the last two weeks, and until he proves us otherwise, go ahead and keep firing up Derek Carr. That Miami defense gave up 35 points to Buffalo. Now that, that box score is misleading, and I'll explain that later on in this pod. But the Raiders have shown that they can be a force on offense after beating the Pittsburgh Steelers last week in Pittsburgh and then taking down the Baltimore Ravens at home in Las Vegas as well. So again, until he proves otherwise... Keep starting Derek Carr. He finished as the quarterback eight after those two weeks. And I keep saying there's something magical about this Las Vegas Raiders team this year. I don't know what it is. There's an aura in the air. There's a difference between magic and frauds. Like I still think even after Thursday night's game with the Carolina Panthers and Houston Texans, I still think the Panthers are fraudulent. That is not magic. What you're seeing with the Las Vegas Raiders is magic. And until Derek Carr shows signs of slowing down, keep firing him up. My top sits for the week is quarterback Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. I continue to keep telling you to bench him. This is the third straight week I'm saying to bench him. 
because he continues to play behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Last week against that Chicago Bears defense, he threw three interceptions late in the game. And everybody still thinks that these, this Bears defense is good because it's a household name. It's the Chicago Bears. First thing you think about is defense. But honestly, in 2021, that Chicago Bear defense is not that good. It's not. Which defense is good is the defense he'll be facing this week, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're so good at getting pressure on that quarterback. And that is exactly what's going to happen against one of the worst offensive lines. The pressure is going to be there all day long. Burrow is going to be forced to get rid of that ball quicker than he wants. I just see him getting knocked around all day, beat up all day. You know, I just hope he can stay healthy. I just really hope he can stay healthy. The total for this game is around 43 and a half, implying that it should be a very low scoring game and low scoring equals bad fantasy output. So keep Burrow on the bench. Another quarterback I'm going to recommend to bench is Jameis Winston. Well, the real Jameis Winston, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. I repeat. Look who's back to their old ways. I don't know what the hell happened in week one versus Green Bay, but I think the Saints caught the Packers with their pants down. Aaron Rodgers took the whole offseason to himself, do a whole kumbaya zen retreat out in Hawaii with his, with his hippie friends, came in a little overconfident, and they just weren't prepared. They caught the Packers with their pants down. So then the Saints, after Jameis Winston throws five touchdowns against the Packers, maybe they go into the Carolina game a little overconfident and the Saints get caught with their pants down. Whatever the case is, a Tiger never changes his stripes. Jameis Winston is back to doing Jameis Winston things. He threw zero touchdowns and two interceptions and had a typical Jameis Winston performance. The bad interceptions, the bad decisions to chuck the ball down when the pressure's in his face. He's just back. And look, I like the guy. I think he's funny. All the videos of him dancing, how clumsy he is, how goofy he is. I get it. But now he has to go to Foxborough and face the tricky and sneaky Bill Belichick, New England Patriots defense. I don't see a quarterback like Jameis Winston going into Foxborough and outsmarting Bill Belichick. Do you? No, it's not happening. It's just not happening. And the New England Patriots defense created four turnovers last week against rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. And I expect them to stay stingy and make things extremely difficult against the Sheriff Winston wild gunslinger. Keep him on your bench if you know what's good for you. And last, this one seems crazy. Keep Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills on your bench. And no, I am not high or drunk. And I think the league is finally starting to catch up and figure out Josh Allen. Over these last two weeks, he seems to be having a lot of accuracy issues. And that was his problem back in 2019. And I think it's just the way that defenses are now scheming against him. There's a cap and a limit on Josh Allen's fantasy output as long as that Buffalo defense continues to be as dominant as they've shown early. Allen only finished as the QB 19 versus Pittsburgh in that loss in week one and only as the QB 18 versus the Dolphins last week after going completely missing for almost two quarters of action. Now he faces that Washington defense that hasn't really got itself into gear yet, but it's certainly coming along. Defenses typically get stronger as the year goes on, and I predicted that this Buffalo offense would see a bit of regression this year. It's still a little too early to make that call, but they certainly don't look like 
anything we remember from last year. So let's keep Josh Allen on the bench if we have better options. Moving on to the running backs. My favorite start of the week is running back Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. And yes, this is a premier name. And yes, I said I would not tell you to start people like him. But listen, we have kept him on the bench for the first two weeks when he played the Denver Broncos and the Washington football team. But this is it. I want all Saquon managers to confidently fire him up today. No longer does he sit on our bench. This is the moment of truth. If Saquon fails managers this week, then it might be over and we are all in a world of hurting. And just like his quarterback, Daniel Jones, that we just talked about a second ago, Saquon Barkley gets the softest defense that he's seen so far this year. In week one, he finished as the RB54 against that Denver defense. And week two, the RB32 against that Washington defense. So now he gets that Atlanta Falcons defense who were torched on the ground in week one by the Philadelphia Eagles and gave up 79 rushing yards to both Leonard Fournette and Ronald S. Jones in week two. We saw Barkley's nice 41-yard burst last week against the football team, and as long as the Giants continue to feed the quadfather, he should have ample big play opportunity against the Falcons. That 41-yard burst against the football team last week should give all Saquon managers the ray of hope. The talent is still there. The guy is waiting to seize the moment, and this is it. This is the week here in week three against the Falcons. So fire up Saquon and don't even think twice about it. My second favorite start, another premium guy that I said I wouldn't do, but I have to because he's been also disappointing. Running back Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team. Very disappointing through the first two weeks. He was the RB21 against the Chargers in week one and the RB31 last week against the Giants when we thought he might have a good game. The problem is running back J.D. McKissick got the touchdown and also got a lot of the receiving yards. He's been a thorn in the side of Gibson managers, and he's going to probably continue to be that same thorn as the season goes on. But I just don't see Gibson failing three straight weeks in a row for fantasy managers that have drafted Antonio Gibson to be that premier stud. I think this is the week we finally see in a game that might be a lot closer than people might think. So go ahead and fire up Antonio Gibson. And last, my favorite starter of the week at the running back position is Tyson Williams of the Baltimore Ravens. And I really think this guy might be this year's James Robinson. He's nothing like running back James Robinson, but from a fantasy perspective, this is the guy that if you claimed off the waiver wire, you might have won and you might have a league winner on your hands. And this week he draws those tasty, oh so tasty, Detroit Lions. The Lions gave up 127 rushing yards to San Francisco running backs and gifted Elijah Mitchell, a rookie running back, as the RB13 in week one. And just last week, they gave up 93 rushing yards to Packers running backs and gifted Aaron Jones as the RB2 overall. Three of my sits for the week at running back are running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Daryl Henderson, and Joe Mixon. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, unfortunately, may be staring down the barrel of a split back committee after that fumble that cost Kansas City that win versus Baltimore last Sunday night. It just doesn't look good. He looks like he lacks speed. He lacks explosiveness. He lacks burst. I don't know what's going on, and I might have to admit I, my theory of that of that. Andy Reid never misses on running backs might be wrong. This might be the first running back he missed on. He hit on all these running backs during his coaching career. Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley, LaShawn McCoy, Kareem Hunt, 
All these guys that he's had have always been super successful, so I don't know what's going on with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm not ready to slap the bus tag on him yet, but it's awfully close. It is awfully close. So let's just keep him on the bench until the dust settles and we see the picture play out a little more. But I'm starting to envision them using him more in that equal split back committee. Daryl Henderson is another one I recommend keeping on the bench. And this one's obvious. He got hurt last week, missed a lot of the second half of football. The verdict is that it's a rib cartilage injury, so it's not that serious. But even if Henderson is good to go this week, I guarantee you that Sony Michelle is going to see at least 70% of the carries. There's no way they're going to rush in a injured Daryl Henderson. You know, he's been having a good year, but with the injury, they're going to they're gonna pump the brakes. They're going to let Sonny Michelle do his thing. And I'm not going to lie. I think Sonny Michelle is going to do great. The only other problem is, is that they have a bad matchup against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has one of the best front sevens in football. No one typically can really run on Tampa Bay. It's kind of been that way for the last three years now. So, you know, even if Henderson is healthy, even with, I don't even recommend starting Sonny Michelle because of the matchup. So let's keep both of these running backs on the bench for week three. And last, Joe Mixon. This is going to be the third week in a row that I recommend benching Joe Mixon. I was wrong about week one, dead right about week two. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about with Joe Burrow. The Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is one of the worst in the league, and it's not making Joe Mixon's job easy. He finished as the RB36 last week against the Chicago Bears, and now again draws a more stingy defense with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last week, Pittsburgh held Raiders running back Peyton Barber to the RB60 overall, and then in week one, Devin Singletary to the RB29. So I don't see any sunlight here for Joe Mixon. This should also be a pretty low-scoring game. On the Bengals' side, T. Higgins is out. On the Steelers' side, Deontay Johnson is out, limiting the weapons all around. The Steelers still have a very good defense, and surprisingly, the Bengals have a very decent defense as well. So the game should be a low-scoring game. And I know if you have Joe Mixon on your team, you drafted him pretty high, but we tried to warn you all summer long about the Joe Mixon problems. It's not about him. It's not about the talent. And yes, he gets a lot of volume. That offensive line is so bad. We heard about the controversy when they decided to draft Jamar Chase over a tackle like Panay Sewell, especially with the quarterback coming off that gruesome knee injury. So I get that Joe Mixon is a talented running back, but you can't really do much if your team can't block for you. So keep Joe Mixon on the bench. Moving on to the wide receivers. One of my favorite starts. You might faint or pass out, so if you're standing, please sit down. If you thought hearing me say to start Jared Goff was weird, well, wait till you hear this one. My favorite start of the week is Marquise Hollywood Brown. No, I am not high, and no, I am not drunk. Marquise Brown has 16 targets, 182 yards, and two touchdowns over the first two games of the regular season. He's definitely, at this point, until Rashad Bateman comes back, he's Lamar Jackson's most reliable option at the team. And as much as I don't really like him as a receiver, he might be coming along as a reliable option here in year three. Back in the day, year three used to be the typical wide receiver breakout. It used to take about three years for a rookie to really break out. And maybe that's, you know, maybe some of these guys are still taking a couple years to come along and maybe this is his year to break out. But so far, so good. And he just simply has one of the best matchups this weekend. We talked about this earlier. Anyone that's going against the Detroit Lions defense or the Houston Texans defense is almost an automatic start. 
It's hard to predict those boomer busts with Hollywood Brown. But if there was ever an opportunity for a boom, it's this weekend against the Lions. So say hello to Hollywood. Fire up my baby. My second favorite start at wide receiver this weekend is the New York Giants wide receivers. And I'm talking about Sterling Shepard or Kenny Galladay. It does not matter. I do like Sterling Shepard slightly more over Galladay just because it seems like Shepard and Daniel Jones have a little bit more of a connection at this point here in week three. But Galladay is also due for a big game, I think, especially after that big scene he made on the sidelines last week in primetime. Like their quarterback, Daniel Jones, and like their running back, Saquon Barkley, both receivers here with Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay both draw a good matchup against that Atlanta defense. I love everything about the Giants this weekend here from a fantasy perspective. So go ahead and set both of these guys in your lineups and don't even think about it. And my last start of the week is Patriots wide receiver, Jacoby Myers. Myers should see most of his coverage from Saints slot cornerback P.J. Williams, and it's the biggest mismatch of the game when it comes to coverage. I'm not expecting Myers to rack up a ton of yards, but he is the leading receiver on the team when it comes to targets. With tight end Janu Smith banged up, Myers should become the Pats' most viable option in that red zone. I'll admit that this one is a little bit out there, but if you're really thin at wide receiver and a little desperate, I think we take our chances here on Myers. And last, I have two wide receivers that we're going to sit this week. And my first one is wide receiver LaVisca Chenault of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I told you to bench Chenault last week against the Broncos when he either got you negative points if you were in a standard league or just slightly above that goose egg in PPR leagues. We're going to keep him benched here in week two. I was high on Chenault as a sleeper. I had him ranked 10th out of my top 10 sleepers of the season. But I have slowly faded away from that boat. He looks more like a running back than a wide receiver. I think if they used him more like how the Falcons are using Cordell Patterson, he'd be a better asset for us to use in fantasy. But as a strict wide receiver, I'm not seeing it. He looks like a gadget guy. So let's keep him parked on the bench as they welcome in the Arizona Cardinals that are just playing at another level right now because if the Cardinals go up early, the Jaguars can fold this game instantly and fast. This one can get ugly quick, folks. So let's keep LaVisca Chenault on the bench. And then my last bench at wide receiver is Corey Davis of the New York Jets. Same thing. This game can get ugly really, really fast for the Jets as they travel to the mile high in that altitude. The Jets are dealing with a slew of injuries all over the place on the defense, on the offensive line. And this Denver Broncos defense isn't the defense you want to face when you have prying weaknesses in your offense. I think the Broncos know Corey Davis is the Jets' best option for success. So those corners are going to zero in and take him out of the game forcing Wilson to beat them other ways or through the run game. I really like Corey Davis this year, but this is just a brutal matchup. And for those reasons alone, we have to keep Corey Davis on the bench. All right. Well, those are the stardom sit-ums of the week. And now we move on to the fun part, the picks. Hasn't been great, but it's still fun. We're still having fun with it. And as we go on, it should start to even out a little more. So the time has come. Let's lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Welcome to our brand new segment called Lock It Up. And if you are in the betting market, this is the segment you won't want to miss. I'll be giving you my top five picks for the week against the spread or totals or money line or teasers, whatever I choose. 
I'll also be posting all of my picks to my Twitter account at the Talking Sunday handle where you can follow along all season long. And just to review, last week's picks were not that great, but it was a little bit of improvement from week one. We finished two and three. My lock of the week, the Las Vegas Raiders and Pittsburgh Steelers under 47 was a winner, so I'm proud about that. The Denver Broncos minus six against the Jaguars was also a winner, but then things start to fall apart. The Eagles plus three, loser. Seahawks minus six, loser. And the Los Angeles Chargers Minus three, also a loser. I can go on about all the excuses of why these lost, but it doesn't matter because we don't live in the coulda, woulda, shoulda world. We finished two and three, and now we have a three and seven record overall. Not good, but hey, the silver lining is we're three and seven, and things will eventually start to turn around and get better. I'm not worried about it. We're going to bump the units up a little bit here because I feel like that winning streak is on the horizon. So with that... Let's get to the top five picks of the week. All right, my first pick and my lock of the week is the Washington football team plus seven on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Now, I got this number at plus nine on Tuesday, and it's worked its way all the way down to the seven and a half. So even though it's my lock of the week at the seven and a half, I don't like it as much, but most books will allow you to buy points. So if you can get this number up to eight or even eight and a half, that would be more reasonable. Seven and a half, again, isn't my favorite, but it's the lowest I'll still take it at, and I'm keeping it here in the top five. Washington's defense hasn't quite lived up to expectations, but neither has Buffalo's offense, and that's the glaring thing here. And what were our expectations for the Washington defense anyway? Maybe the bar was set just a little too high for a defense who's on a team that only finished with a 7-9 record last year. Yeah, it should be better, but it's still a young and up-and-coming team. The Buffalo offense is more concerning to me, and the lack of accuracy from Josh Allen is a little startling. Pro Football Focus has them graded as the second worst offense in the league, and again, take that for what it is, and it's only week three, but as of right now, they are the second worst offense in the league, and their 35-0 win against the Miami Dolphins last week is misleading. If anyone watched that game, you'll absolutely know that nothing went the Miami Dolphins way from start to finish. Again, I lock this bet in as Washington plus nine, but I still like it here at the seven and a half. And at pick number two is my second lock of the week, the Miami Dolphins plus four on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. Look, I love these Raiders this year, but it seems like everyone is on the train now. With a primetime win against the Baltimore Ravens, who just beat the mighty Kansas City Chiefs, and a huge road win in Pittsburgh off short rest against the Steelers in week two has perked the attention of most around the country. Meanwhile, on the flip side, a preseason darling in the Miami Dolphins have quote-unquote sputtered out of control, but like we already discussed, that 35 to nothing blowout was very misleading. The Dolphins' defense is still a very good unit and completely shut the Bills out for two whole quarters. The problem was Jacoby Brissett was thrown into the fire against that stout Bills defense after Tua Tungavailoa went out with an injury early. No matter how good a defense is, If the offense isn't producing with constant three and outs, it gets tired, and that's exactly what happened to the Dolphins' defense last week. 
I expect a very underrated coach, Brian Flores, to get this team back on track and come out strong against these Raiders. I really don't think Jacoby Brissett is much of a downgrade over Tua. In fact, I could possibly see this as an upgrade. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit at all to see these Dolphins come away with an outright victory. This is the perfect spot for a Raiders letdown. The Raiders with John Gruden under his leadership have been known in the past to beat the good team and then falter to the bad team. So take the Finns plus the four on the road. My third lock of the week and now we're getting fun. We're getting jiggy with it. We're doing our first teaser here on Lock It Up and it's a six point teaser. We're gonna tease the Ravens down from the seven and a half to minus one and a half against the Detroit Lions with the Minnesota Vikings up from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. Listen, I have a strange feeling about this Lions game. I have a strange feeling that the Lions are going to keep it close with the Baltimore Ravens because they tend to do this each year against at least one good team. But I can't see Baltimore walking away from this one with a loss. I can, however, see them losing the game throughout and then mounting an epic comeback to win in a very close one. So for that reason, I'm not messing around with the original spread of minus 7.5. Yes, the Ravens are coming off that big win over the Chiefs, and if the Ravens didn't lose Week 1 to the Raiders, I'd be a little more skeptical. But I can't see them dropping another game this early, so I like the tease down to 1.5. And then let's go ahead and tie that teaser up with the Vikings up from one and a half to seven and a half. Another high scoring game is in the works as Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins battle it out at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota, the home opener. I know Russell Wilson owns the Minnesota Vikings and they may still win this game, which is why I'm teasing it here. Mike Zimmer holds one of the best records when it comes to covering the spread, and this game should come down to the wire. Whoever has the last ball will probably win this one. Win or lose, the Vikings usually keep the games close. They had a three-point loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in week one and a one-point loss to the Cardinals last week in week two. I absolutely love this teaser. Ravens minus one and a half with Vikings plus six and a half, a six-point teaser. Why do one teaser when we can have two? My fourth lock of the week is another six-point teaser, but this time we're dipping into the totals. We're going to tease the Baltimore Ravens with the Detroit Lions game over the 44, down from the 50. So just to clarify here, the normal total for this game is set at 50. So when you do the six-point teaser, you're bringing it down to 44. So now we need to go over the total of 44. We already discussed this game in the Ravens tease down to the one and a half and how I think it will be a lot closer than people think. But the reason I like the over is because the Detroit Lions haven't been the dumpster fire people peg them out to be. The offense has been able to move the ball and put up points, and they've done all right against top-tier teams like the 49ers and Packers, both of which those defenses are currently graded higher than the Baltimore Ravens. We all know the Ravens will score points against that Lions defense, and all we need now is a little help from the Lions. We need the Lions to cooperate just a bit so they can get over the teaser total of the 44 points. My other favorite total to close this teaser out is the Miami Dolphins and Las Vegas Raiders under the 50 that we're bringing up from the 44. So to clarify, 
The original total is 44 points and we're teasing the under, so we're gonna add six points, making it the 50. Another game I just covered again with the Miami Dolphins plus four, but in this teaser up to the 50 points, it's too much for these two teams who have top 10 defenses in the league at this current moment. I still don't trust John Gruden to keep his offense disciplined. The penalties will still come and the Raiders will still do boneheaded things along the way. And although I think Jacoby Brissett is a slight upgrade over Tua Tungavailoa, this still isn't saying much. The key here is the defenses. The Raiders defensive line is no joke and the brisket man can't move. He's a statue back there. The Dolphins defense, although not known for generating much pressure, still have one, if not the most stingiest defenses in the league. This should be a low scoring affair, so the tees up to the 50 should lock it up. And my last lock of the week, my pick five is the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football plus four against the Dallas Cowboys. Ah, uh, another homer pick. I don't think so. Anyone that watched that game last Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers know the Philadelphia Eagles should have won that game. I covered this already on Tuesday's pod, but the Eagles blew literally every opportunity they had to score points in that game. If Jalen Rager simply doesn't step out of bounds before making a touchdown grab, the Eagles are now up 10-0 on the Niners, and that whole game is completely different. What turned into a blocked field goal and then not coming away with any points from the goal was just complete lunacy, and I expect this team to tie up those loose ends this week. They'll travel to the division rival Dallas Cowboys for Monday Night Football, and as of right now, I think the Dallas Cowboys are certainly the better team but we all know how these division games go. They can go either way. Just look at Carolina and the New Orleans Saints last week. I think people are still sleeping on this Eagles team as they play a lot better than what their stats are showing on the sheet, and I think they'll give Dallas a run for their money. The plus four points is such a sweet number in what should be a close game, so I really like the Philadelphia Eagles for primetime Monday Night Football, and let's lock that up. All right, those are my lock it up top five picks. And just to review, we have the Washington football team plus seven and a half, Miami Dolphins plus four, a teaser with the Baltimore Ravens minus one and a half with the Minnesota Vikings plus seven and a half, another six point teaser in that Baltimore Detroit game over 44 points with the Miami Dolphins, Las Vegas Raiders under 50 points, and then Monday night football, the Philadelphia Eagles plus four. Hopefully we can bring that overall three and seven record up this week and the tide begins to turn again. I've upped all my units this week because the losses aren't sustainable. At some point, things will start to balance out and hopefully that starts here in week three. And now the boss. Oh, and you know what that music means. We welcome back the boss, Nikki Bada Bing. Another rough one, unfortunately. Another rough one for us here in week two, closing out the boss man's picks at one and two, bringing that total overall record to one and five now through the first two weeks. We had the two losers with Pittsburgh Steelers minus five and a half at home against the Raiders, and then the New Orleans Saints on the road minus three. 
not so good there but we did happen to pull out one winner here so there is a little bit of little glimmer of uh, hope and excitement here we got the denver broncos minus the six against the jacksonville jaguars who look awful i'm not gonna lie i was a little nervous last week after the pod once you know we we reviewed all three of these and they were all favorites coming off that big week one where i, I feel like a lot of uh, large favorites covered but you know not so great and as i explained during my pick segment this all has to turn around eventually we're not going to continue to lose week in and week out so there is a little silver lining there as well uh so we're sitting here now at one and five and at some point i think it's going to even out so boss man welcome back to the show and uh how are we feeling so far going into this next week here well i appreciate the intro and uh hello to all your listeners and uh, i apologize for the terrible start but uh you know, we forewarned uh, everyone the first two weeks of the NFL are treacherous, and uh, the records uh, reflect that. Um, so, but as you pointed out to me earlier, on, on a good note, our, our my best bets are one and one. Yes. So, you know, we're hanging tough there. Right. But, so, um, so if we're just following the best bets, you should be even. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but overall, sitting at one of five, uh, horrendous, but it's early. Uh, which is why this week I'm going to come in with four plays. I'm going to go four and oh, and I'm going to come out of this week at five and five. Love that. See, that's the okay. confidence. That's the confidence I love. Let's uh, let's review these picks. Let's just break down what happened last week. Just, uh, you know, I like to review everything real quick. Very good. Let's go through the Pittsburgh game, the Pittsburgh minus five. Um, this one made, I, I love the, uh, the under in that game, the 47. That was my lock of the week. So my best bet also covered. Look, we're we're like on the same page here. Uh, I look, I kind of like this. If you're just following our best picks, we're, we we might even be winners. But it made me nervous as the week went on. I dug a little deeper into Pro Football Focus, and a lot of people don't like PFF, but they had Big Ben graded as the worst quarterback in Week One, even though they got that win against Buffalo. And then I saw that line. You know, we saw it go all the way up to six and a half, and then you know, as it got closer to kickoff, it fell down to five and a half. And man, I just you know. I don't yeah. know. What did you think about that game? Ben is, uh, you know, he's he's 39 years old, and you could see it. All of a sudden, there it is. Father yeah. time has caught up. And, uh, and of course, losing um, Watt, losing T.J. Watt, that, yeah. that, that, that's a significant blow to any team. I mean, that guy can single-handedly win a game for you. And losing him was, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, a dramatic point and turnaround in that game. We lost him early, too, in the first half, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's a significant uh, injury. Uh, but that's football, and, you know, that, that's the name of the game, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, and, you know. How about, uh, how about, thought... a, how about another nugget there, the uh, defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley? I can't believe I didn't think of this until after the game. Gus Bradley was the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars that year. They almost went to the Super Bowl. And during that year, they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, you know, with that Jacksonville defense that had Jalen Ramsey and Calais Campbell and Miles Jack, all those guys. And then they beat Pittsburgh in the AFC divisional round. So Gus Bradley has, you know, the mojo against against uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. So He's that, got his number. Yeah, he that knows was, how to defend Ben. Right. So that one, that one, like I kind of kind of slamming my head against the wall that I left that one on the table. But again, I, you know, I wasn't going to go against you or your picks, so I didn't want to put that one out there. So, so we have the uh, New Orleans Saints. I mean, what a I don't even know what to think of this team. 
the, the I feel like they caught the Packers with their pants down. Like the Packers were all the drama with Rodgers and they weren't prepared. But then I feel like they got caught with their pants down against Carolina. You know, Winston throws right. the five touchdowns against the Packers. They're feeling good. And now they go to play Carolina who they're, you know, they're Carolina hasn't been a good team. They've been five and 11 the past two years. So they're shocking me. I, I, I am not giving them enough credit. Apparently. You think so? Apparently. And that's, you know, I'm attributing that to Matt rule, the uh, temple guy who went to Baylor and um, is now, you know, coaching Carolina. And uh, you know, I don't know how they're doing it. Um, you know, Darnell, uh, Darnold last week, I guess, revenge game for him, uh, you know, against Jet. But, uh, you know, uh, that was really um, a, a game that, uh, you know, Carolina's got me befuddled. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sold on them yet either. I feel like with the Jets, fine, they got the win. But like we discussed, it's the Jets. And the Jets are dealing, even though I'm, I'm higher on the Jets this year, the Jets are dealing with a lot of injuries, especially on that defensive side of the ball, and they lost their best tackle, the Mackay Becton. So they're a mess right now. So I don't, I'm not even like looking at that as an impressive win. But then they beat the Saints. But again, that's a division win. Like anything could happen within the division, right? Like the yeah. Like we see it every year, even in our division, the Eagles when they're good, they'll lose to the Washington Football Team when they're when they only have like three wins. Like it's just a. Yeah division so i'm not sold yet and i and here's the thing like carolina is going to play houston tonight and they're probably going to win and everybody's going to again pound the drum for carolina but i'm just not there yet uh, i'm nowhere near there uh it's their first road game um you know it's a shame houston lost tyrod uh who's quarterback for them tonight so i just did a pot on this last night davis mills and this kid was their first pick you know uh houston didn't have a pick until the third round Right. And they took him with their first pick. And he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Alabama, Georgia, and USC wanted him to be their quarterback, but he committed to Stanford. But the problem is he only ended up playing eight games for Stanford because he tore both ACLs while in college. Jeez. So, <laughs> so uh, he doesn't well, have much Houston experience. Somehow, Houston somehow is hanging tough. Exactly. Hey. And they've talked about, you know, they're a veteran-laden team, um, and they, they're they at home. Uh, that's a lot of points. Any protein, anytime you're giving a protein seven or more, that's a lot of points to give up. That's exactly what I said last night, and the fact that the Carolina Panthers of all teams are laying eight on the road in a primetime game is insane to me. Right. It's insane. I'm hammering the Houston Texans tonight. And it's, a, it's unfortunately, I can't put this in my top five for the weekend, or I would, but I, I, right. I love the Texans tonight. You know, that's one of them games where you got to, you know, in my, for me, you know, I, I saw the line. I'm like, what? How yeah. can Carolina be an eight over anybody that's on the road? And not only that, like I said earlier, they went 5 and 11 last year, and everybody will be like, well, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey. You know, Christian McCaffrey didn't play. But they went five and eleven the the previous year before that when Ron Rivera was the coach and they had a healthy Christian McCaffrey so eight yeah. eight points for a team that hasn't had a winning record in years is insane. Yeah, and you know again, I, you know as I you know I believe I said you know I'm not trying to avoid using that wisdom term that got me in trouble, but <laughs> you know when I first scan the lines and I and I get I get a line like that and I react like that I, I'm like. Yeah, 
you know, I, I'm staying away from that game. Yeah, it's it's tough. And like you say, with the unders, you have to have balls to bet the unders. I feel like you have to have balls to bet on Houston Texans, especially with an unknown quarterback tonight. Yeah. But so. I don't – yeah, I'm doing it. I already did it. So, but uh, <laughs> all right. So, those two losses, they sucked. Uh, mm. But we got one win. We did get the win with the Denver Broncos minus the six. This one seemed easy, and apparently it was. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves gets it done, and and I think he looked huh. he looked pretty good doing it, right? He threw uh, Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Two Gloves, you know it. I think he threw almost 300 passing yards and two touchdowns. But you know Jacksonville makes anybody look good. Apparently, like you look at Jameis Winston in the preseason when he was throwing to that wide receiver Marquez uh, Callaway. Everybody thought, including myself, that Callaway was going to be this big fantasy football wide receiver. But just turns out it was against the Jacksonville shitty defense. And uh, yeah, and then Tyrod Taylor, same thing. Week one, two touchdowns against the Jacksonville defense. Not that Tyrod Taylor, Taylor's terrible, but right, you know. So Denver gets it done. That was a great one. That was your that was your lock of the week, your best bet. And like I said, I you know I'm taking all those best bets, so I took that one there. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, you know I'm not going to say too much because um, you know that game is in my uh, lineup for today. It's in your uh, sniper scope. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah. a one and two start, a one and two uh, finish to week two, and it, and you know considering we're coming off the zero and three start from week one, it's progress. And uh, you know, listen, it's early. It's only it's only two weeks of football. We got sixteen more weeks to go. And if you quit, and if you're quitting now on the boss this early, you're doing yourself a disservice. Someone like time. someone yep. like Nikki Bada Bing over here has that's been doing this for forty some years. He hasn't been doing it for 40-some years, picking losers. That would be insane. Do you think he would do that for that long if it was consistently losing? So I haven't lost an ounce of confidence. I believe in the years of experience. It's going to pay off in the long run. I've even been doing this long enough myself to understand the ebbs and flow during the course of the year. Again, it's the marathon, not the sprint. And like I said, we've been taking it easy and, you know, we're looking at the one and five start and it's going to turn around. It's going to even out the, the, the tip of the, uh, what's it? The scale, the balance, it has to, yeah. has to even out at some point. So before we get to the, Oh, and by the way, I have, I have this strange feeling that me and you are going to be on the same trajectory here this season. I don't know why I think when I'm hot, you're going to be hot. So when our picks are on, they're going to be on. And when they're cold, we might, we might have to weather the storm a bit. So <laughs> Um, but all right, before we get to the picks, let me just remind everybody again that the, uh, the boss man here, he's going to give us his top three bets for the weekend, but he said he's given us an extra one today Four four bets today. We're going to try to even that, that, uh, record out a little bit, but we're not just doing that just to do it. He feels very confident about these four picks. It could be against the spread, the total, the money line, parlay teaser, whatever he chooses. It's his best three. We're going in reverse order. So we'll start with. Should we start with pick four? Do you want to save pick four for the end, the bonus? No, we're gonna we're, we'll we'll start with uh, picks three and four. We'll start at the bottom. All right, we'll start at the bottom, and then we'll work our way up to the best bet, pick number one. So you know, I wish I could say the saying and get down the business and whack the book, but we're the only ones yeah. getting whacked at this current moment. So yeah, we got we got to flip yeah. this script here. So uh, all right, boss man, what do we got to pick four? Well, um, at, at pick four. Um, I'm, I'm going to like, uh, for your for your followers out there, I'm going to have two games and two totals, okay? Love it. And I'm going to start off with a total here. Um, I'm going to use New England under. It's the third row game for New Orleans, in a sense, uh, in, in a sense since they played that first game, you know, at a, at a neutral site. But 
New Orleans had, what, four turnovers last week? I mean, I'm sorry, New England got the four turnovers off the Jet quarterback last week, right? Four right. IMPs. Off the and, off the rookie quarterback, I think he threw three interceptions, and that's what Bill that's Bill Belichick's bread and butter. He's I think uh, twenty two and six against rookie quarterbacks now. Yeah, and they, you know, you get four turnovers, you're supposed to score a lot more points than what they did. Yeah, good point. They're not going to get. I don't think they're going to get four turnovers again this week. It is against Winston. I get that, but I think Peyton's going to change his game plan. Uh, a little bit, get some more Kamara involved uh, with the, you know, out, uh, getting him in open space and, and running. So I see a lot of running in this game, which means the clock's going to be running. Um, yeah, and, and that's 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 all like New England does. And it's so clear and obvious to me at this point that Tom Brady was that New England offense. Because New right. England, I know they have a rookie quarterback, but we saw what they did with Cam Newton, who's a veteran last year. They they run the ball more than they ever ran the ball. That's, and it seems like that's all they do. And they don't seem to be scoring points like they used to in New England. So they, the, it just cracks me up that they, they decided to let go of Tom Brady, and he's still killing it, absolutely killing yeah. it. So that's a good point that I, I, I didn't even really think about that, how New England, with that many turnovers last week, they really didn't score that many points. So it's, yeah. it's good stuff right sure. there. And, and, and it's Belichick, right? That's his – one of his basic philosophies, right? Defense and run. Right. Yeah. You know, um, he always, always, since he's started, you know, taking over that Patriots team, he's always had a stout defense. Yeah, and, and I got to think Sean Payton lost a little bit of faith in Jameis Winston uh, coming off the list. So he's going to turn to the run more often also. Okay. Um, and and what's, that's what's motivating me to give out the under – what is it, 42, I think? 42 and a half, maybe? Let me double check that real fast. Yeah, 42. We're sitting at 42. Yeah, and, you know, uh, it has moved down also from, you know, I'm showing a open at 46, 46 and a half. So there is a, you know, pretty good line move there. Um, but it, I'm going with the under. Okay. I, I hope it doesn't turn into an overtime game. <laughs> Uh, isn't that the worst? I feel like the the totals should just count in regular time. I think they do that in hockey, don't they? Yeah. If if you bet on a hockey game, like I think it, I'm pretty sure it ends it after period three or something like that. But there's right. nothing worse than a tie game going into overtime when you bet the under because you're yeah nine times out of ten you're automatically losing. Yeah, so. and, and and just as a little uh, side note to this, um, those of you who like to play the team total themselves, um, New England under uh, might be something you want to look at. I'm not giving it out. I'm giving the game out as an under, but the New England team total itself, I think it's like, what, 22, 21, something like that. I, you know. I actually have no idea on that. That's yeah. there. But... For those of you who like those little side plays like that on an individual team, you know, take a look at that. But, you know, officially, it's New England under the 42 uh, as my uh, one of four that I'm that I'm going to talk about today. OK, so I, I like that bet. You talked me into it. I might I might have to fire a little something on that. Um, so <laughs> what do we <laughs> what do we got for our third best bet of the week? Number three. So number three, you know. Chargers plus the six and a half Woo. at Kansas City. 
Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of points uh, to give to give the Chargers. Um, and for you trend players, um, this part of what made me go to that game is the Chiefs have only covered two of their last thirteen games. Damn, they're one and six in their last seven at home against the spread. Yeah, Vegas Vegas has them figured out. They figure every single person, and for every Joe Schmo, I should say, the public, who who yeah. bets against Kansas City, they got that figured out. Yeah, so that that the Chargers are, I think, a, a, a not getting the respect uh, with uh, Herbert, uh, the, the quarterback, uh, who had a bad INT last week against Dallas. Um, but uh, well, he also uh, he also had a, a, a touchdown, or might have been two touchdowns called back. Yeah, for for so, dumb penalties too. These refs were all over the Chargers all that whole game. It was one of the most frustrating games to watch because one of my picks last week was the uh, Chargers minus three at home against the Cowboys, and I feel like every every positive play, big chunk play that the Chargers would get, it was flagged and brought back every single time. Yeah. So, so and Bosa, you know could have something to say about the game defensively for the Chargers. Yeah, the Chiefs offensive line, I know it's all new and, you know, what and all that, but they're they're still working the kinks out. They're still getting it together. And I don't know if you were about to say this, the Chiefs defense is not good. They are not. Terrible. Pro Football no. Focus has their defense ranked actually 32nd, worst in the league. Yeah. Now take that way reason- for what it is, you know, their grading system against the run, the coverage, the tackling, all that, it all totals out to the thirty second dead last defense in the league. Like the Detroit Lions are ranked higher than them. Yeah. Hence the reason why, you know, uh betting under in a KC game takes big balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't want to talk I, I I I did uh what I preached not to do. And yeah. I, you know, I was in a little bit of a heat and I said, who the hell is going to bet the under in Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs? No one let me do it like an idiot that night. I had a, f- I had a few drinks in me uh, yeah. and, you know, there was a there was a pick six pretty early in that game. And I was like, oh, that's that's yeah. done. That's over. Let's yeah. play. Let's play a board game with the wife. Joe, and you know, again, you trend players. Uh, these uh, the Sunday night, Monday night prime time games, uh, and, and and Thursday night prime time games. Six and zero on the over this year, all wow. over. Wow. Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. I wonder if that has anything to do with the weather being because like every single game that I check, it's like right now it's you know. Anywhere in the 70s, the low 80s, and sunny. Sunny, sunny, sunny across the country. And as we get you know further into the season and the weather gets colder, I wonder if that trend will you know start to change. Uh, absolutely, and I'm glad you brought up weather because fall is here, right? Well, yesterday, we are now in the fall season. Yep. You better start paying attention to weather, uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, little, a little too early right now to look at the weather uh, for this Sunday. But take that into consideration uh, when you're finalizing your plays on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Well, here get a look. Uh, get a look at the weather. Well, here's something funny. I actually looked at the weather for every single game so far, and this game that you have this underpegged is actually the most extreme. It's supposed to be 90 degrees and sunny in Kansas City on Sunday. Oh, 
Well, well, don't confuse our fans, our listeners. That, that's not that's not that's not a pick for me. <laughs> I mean, ninety is not terribly. You know, it's hot, yeah. but it's not it's not unbearable. It's not Miami. It's not. I don't think it's going to be humid there. You know, it's not Miami. Right. So, but yeah. you know, it's just it's just something that caught my eye because all across the the country, it's you know low seventies, mid seventies, and ninety was just a little you know whoa. But just to remind your podcasters, I'm Charger plus the six and a half. Chargers plus six and a half. I like it. I like the trend that you uh, you put out there. And again, I just think I think the Chargers aren't getting enough credit. They lost week one to Washington, right? No, they beat Washington week one. And then uh, I'm saying they didn't get enough credit because in that game versus Dallas, they, the Zebras were all over them. So I think right. the Chargers... That, you know, people might think they looked bad last week, but the box score doesn't reflect how the game really went. Um, so, okay, so we have the New England Patriots, uh, New Orleans Saints under 42 for the fourth pick. The Chargers plus six and a half for the third pick. Who is our second lock of the week? The second best bet of the week is? Well, um, I, I have two more picks, and this is almost like a 1-1-A one one situation again. Okay. I love these two next two plays. Okay. okay. Uh -huh. And, you know, the first one I'll give is uh, related to the wisdom angle. It's under the 41 and a half in the Denver game. Yep. I, 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 I saw this on the chart and I remember on our first episode, you gave this out as the wisdom pick. So every time I see this number, I'm thinking about you now. So I knew, yeah. I knew you were going to make this one. So Joe, um, and you know, uh, for you trendies out there, the Jets have been the Jets are under ten and three uh, since early 2020. The Broncos are under 18 and 11. And it's like it's two Denver, two under Titans colliding at once. Yeah, it's the but for me, it's the Denver defense, which is strong in my opinion. Here we go against a Jet rookie quarterback on the road. And the Jets head coach is supposed to be a defensive guru, right? The Jets head coach, yes, he was the he was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And when that team was healthy, they you know, that was the Super Bowl year when they lost to the Chiefs. Yeah. And the Denver quarterback is no freaking is he in the top ten? <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, you know, again, this is just pro football focus, their rankings. They have yeah, him ranked right now. And granted, the, the Broncos played the Giants and the Jaguars, but they have him ranked right now as the eighth overall quarterback. He just needs to manage the game. Right. He doesn't need to win the game. It's the defense of Denver shutting down the lowly J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. They're going, you know. Yeah, I think I think they're going down. This is and this is another huge spread here too. I think the Broncos are minus ten and a half. And there's another there's another statistic or you know nugget out there or trend, I guess you could say, the Denver in September record. Have you heard of this one? No. So I, I forget what the record is, but it's like it's over like the last ten years. Denver hasn't Denver has only not covered a game at home in September like two or three times in the last like right. 10 years because the theory is that the, uh, all the teams are still getting into that football shape especially now since the OTAs and all that right. are restricted to tackling the theory is that everybody's not in football shape so when they visit Denver and they're in that altitude they get tired a, a lot mile faster. high yeah. yeah they get yeah. tired a lot faster so is this their home opener 
Yeah, this is their home opener. Their first two games were on the road. Oh, you throw that into the mix now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so no wonder why they're a ten and a half against the lowly Jets. Right, but, but I think I'm, I think Vegas is on to that Denver in September thing because I have this game at like uh, five points on a neutral field, and right. I don't know how they got it all the way up to ten and a half. It has to be factored in with that altitude. Yeah. So, so but I'm in under the forty-one and a half. There should be solid. Cool. Okay, so we have again the New Orleans, uh, New England, New Orleans under forty-two, the Chargers plus six and a half, the Jets and Denver Broncos under forty-one and a half. So we have two unders, two big balls bets, and finally the best bet, the lock of the week. And again, just a reminder, I'm riding with you here, so no pressure. Uh, and, and and like we talked about before, the the bright side is the best bets are one and one on the season. So, yeah, who are we looking at this week? Who's the best bet? Who's the lock of the week? Well, I'm sticking with my team against Jacksonville. They suck. Okay. (laughs) All right. I don't know. They may challenge Tampa Bay's 0-16 by going 0-17. Wow. So, I'm going against Jack. I'm sticking with that team, especially up against a team like this, Arizona, right? Yeah, Arizona. Arizona's been, you know, hot out of the gate. Um, I do think isn't that a West to East early game? Yeah. Oh, you don't consider I'm, Arizona the West, right? Not really, in my humble opinion. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it's an but, it's an outer it's an outer conference game, which I I tend to think a lot of times when they're out of conference, the better team usually gets the best of whoever the worst team is because they don't they don't play each other that often. Jacksonville and Arizona only see each other every four years, so. And Arizona yeah, I, is just the superior team. I, I can't imagine them staying with Arizona in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> even though they're at home. So what? Yeah, not not the way that they're playing right now, too. It's Kyler Murray's playing with his he- his head on fire. Nobody can tackle him in the backfield. He's he's probably the most shiftiest quarterback. I think he's, yeah. I think he's he might not be as fast as Lamar Jackson, but he's more shifty than Lamar Jackson. And, yeah, I, I, and, and I realize I'm contradicting myself here a little bit because, you know, what are they, like a seven, seven and a half? Seven and a half upon, right now. You know, I, I, I know I say a lot. It's too many points to give. But it, in this case, with the Arizona offense against the non-existent Jacksonville team, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, Jacksonville is just bad. Yeah, and, and Arizona's in anybody's book has got to be one of the top five teams, right? Yeah, <laughs> if, at if this not point, top three. at this yeah, at this point, and they you know they they got by, they squeaked by with the Minnesota missed field goal yet, uh, last week. Uh, but th- was that on the road? Was that in Arizona or, or Minnesota? That was, was in Arizona. In Arizona, right? And here's the other thing about Jacksonville that people I don't know why they're turning a blind eye or they're just ignoring it. Everybody wants to hate Zach Wilson because, you know, he just threw those interceptions against New England and and whatnot. But Trevor Lawrence on Jacksonville is not any better. They both, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence both have five interceptions within the first two weeks here. And Lawrence, to to me, doesn't look that great. And he hasn't faced adversity like this ever in his life. When he was in high school, his team went undefeated. When he was in college, his team went undefeated until that championship game where they lost to, uh, who was it, Uh, uh, LSU Tigers. So he's not used to this culture. He doesn't seem like he has the fire, that passion to, to be a player. 
So I, I'm with you. I'm out on Jacksonville. I, I don't see any ray of light here. Like they have, I feel like they, they just should don't have... have an offensive line. They can't protect the kid. And Urban Meyer ain't cutting it. No. Go back to college, pal. Uh, yeah, and that's, uh, uh, that's that's another one too. Like Urban Meyer in college, his whole college career, I guess except for the first school he started at, he always recruits the best athletes, and they're just that they're just that much more athletic than everybody else. So of course they destroy everybody they play. So now yeah. now he has to put his big big boy pants on and actually scheme out some wins at the NFL level, and it doesn't yeah. seem like it's working. Poor Trevor, you know. He can be a serviceable quarterback. I don't think he's going to be uh, elite at, at any point in his career. Uh, but he, don't, he doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have an offensive line. He's trying to. He 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 doesn't. He, he's not a dual threat quarterback. That's for sure. Well, he actually is. He actually does have some sneaky. Uh, he's got some legs. He can move. Yeah. But he but he's moving because he's being chased. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's weird to me is this offensive line didn't change that much from last year, and what Jacksonville did best last year was run the ball. They had one of the top uh, 10, I think, running backs with James Robinson last year. In fantasy football, James Robinson was a league winner for people. So I just right. don't understand why they're not even they're not even trying to run the ball. I think they gave James Robinson, like, uh, nine carries and Carlos Hyde four carries. Like, they, like yeah. take some pressure off the quarterback and run the ball more. I, I don't know. So... I, I, you know, like I said, um, the main theory is against Jacksonville. Yeah. And sometimes uh, and those you know, waves. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that every week. But in this case, against this quality of an offensive team, lay to seven, seven and a half, jack all over them all day long. I, I, I like it. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. Arizona all over them all day long. Yeah, Arizona minus seven and a half all day long. Um, I like it. Uh, and I think there is something to those waves. Last year, we saw the same thing uh, in our tournament, in our uh, pick'em tournament, the Super Contest. We took the Pittsburgh Steelers for six straight weeks. We rode the Steeler wave, and you can ride the wave on the other side. You can bet against certain teams until yeah. Vegas catches up and figures it out. Because sometimes it takes them a, a few weeks. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know for me, it's, um, as I said, uh, against Jack, um, uh, that has to be looked at every week, depending upon who they're playing. Um, and then your ride the wave theory, maybe this Carolina team deserves credit and, and, and you know, is a potential ride the waiver until they get their first loss. I didn't look at their upcoming schedule, but um, Carolina, well, well, I, I hope that's not the theory because I took Houston and again, we're recording on Thursday. So this game is, this game will have already played by the time this episode airs. So I took right. Houston. I hope that's not a theory. But Carolina, to answer your question, they I just saw on TV this morning, they actually have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Like, I don't even think they play a, a team that had a winning record last week until Buffalo in, like, week 13. Right. Something like that. So it's 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 crazy how easy their schedule is. So they might be a yeah, dark horse. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just riding the coattails of your ride-the-wave theory. And, um, you know, Caro can be um, – you know, again, again, you know, a lot of points, yeah. you know, um, but, but use them in teasers. What's that? You know, the seven teasers. No, no. You could use Caro in teasers. Oh, right. Right. The uh, seven or seven and a half. Right. To, to drive that, to drive that line down. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that was yeah. actually my fear last week when we took the Steelers because a lot of times when the when when Vegas puts that number out, that's six. That's a that's a lore and a half for that teaser. And right. I, I even feel like that with the Chiefs, so that's why I like this Chargers pick. The Chiefs Chiefs minus six and a half tease that down to to half a point. Oh, the Chiefs just need to win the game. That's easy, right? <laughs> Buster. So you think? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the six, the six and six and a half scares me, but I think yeah, with the seven and a half, I think that's always a good option for a teaser. But to um, to summarize, then uh, for, for me, uh, I'm going New England under. Uh, Denver under the 41 and a half, New England under the 42, uh, Charger plus the six and a half, and all over Arizona again against that's all about against Jack. So, yeah, I love it. I like the I like the uh mix match we have here this week. We have two totals, both the under, we have a dog, and we have a favorite. So, it's a nice mix there. We're not you know lopsided or too heavy on one side. I like it. I'm feeling good. I feel like we're, you know, we have a we have a good shot to come out of this three and three and one. I'm feeling at least. Hopefully four no, and zero here. I'm I'm feeling four and zero. Get back to five hundred. There it is. I love for it. For your listeners, baby. Let's so, go. So um, you, know, you so, know, and people out there listening, you know, uh, you know, just take it in. You know, never go again. I'll I'll end with a wisdom note. If your first instinct was something other than what we've said stick with your first instinct yeah go with your gut okay don't let us make decisions for you we're just providing information um but if you were thinking about the other way on one of these games you know either stay away from it or stick the always stick to your first instinct I completely agree. You can say all the statistics, all the trends, all this information, and it can mean nothing. Sometimes you just have to listen to your gut. Sometimes your gut just tells you this is the winner and just follow right. it. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. But again, like, yeah. like boss man just said, we are just here to provide the information. We've been, we've both been doing this for years. We've seen the line movements and how, you know, the, the market changes with the cash flow and all that stuff. That's all we're providing here. And this is who we think, uh, you know, gives us the best odds to come out on top. But yes, always listen to your gut because it usually doesn't lie. So, yeah, that but, first instinct is uh, important. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hopefully, you know, we straighten this thing out this weekend. Still lots of football to be played, folks. Lots of football. It's only, you know, we're only two weeks through. This is only week three. And, uh, Nikki. Oh, we got 17 games. We got 15 weeks to go. So, yeah, the extra week. Yep. So, all right, Nick. Uh, as always, thanks for coming on. This is truly one of my favorite segments of the pod. And I always have fun doing this with you each week. And, uh, you know, well, appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with your uh, podcasters and hang in there, folks. We're going to get them. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we'll talk to you next week. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Good luck.
Well, that's our show for today. Make sure, again, you review all of your fantasy football lineups before kickoff. Look out for any healthy scratches, any last-minute benches, anything like that. Make sure you're keen to what is going on before kickoff. If you find yourself in any of those situations, make sure to go back through my Stardom Sidem segment because a lot of those guys might still be available on the waiver wire or available to pick up as free agents. We hit on a lot of the starter sit-ems again last week, so I feel good about those as well as my top five picks. The boss man's top three picks sound really good, plus he threw in an extra bonus pick. All great info on today's episode, and as usual, thank you for tuning in. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy week three, and go get yourself those fantasy Ws. And with that, we will see you next week here on Monday.